Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 9, beginning at verse 28. Listen now for the word of God. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Over the years, many books and plays have been written and many movies and TV shows filmed with a common theme that goes something like this. A seemingly ordinary person living a seemingly ordinary life is in a seemingly ordinary place when suddenly something extraordinary happens and they find themselves in a world they did not know existed. In this new world, they see amazing sights, they meet amazing characters, they have remarkable adventures, and they are transformed by the experience forever. Perhaps it is Peter, Edmund, Susan, and Lucy in a large country home in wartime England who pass through the back of a seemingly ordinary wardrobe and end up in C.S. Lewis's land of Narnia. Or it may be Dorothy, picked up by a Kansas tornado where in the movie version, everything is in black and white, and then she has a hard landing into a world that is suddenly in technicolor in L. Frank Baum's Land of Oz. A little neglected orphan boy named Harry Potter approaches a brick column in Victoria Station and somehow passes through it and is transported to platform nine and three quarters where he boards the steam train that takes him off to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry in J.K. Rowling's books and the movies made from the series. In all such stories, it seems that these other lands have existed alongside our normal, everyday world all along. It just takes something extraordinary to wake the main characters up fully so that their eyes are opened, the veil is lifted, and they finally see the miraculous world that was right in front of them all along. Something similar happens in the story from Luke's Gospel today. 
First, a bit of background. Jesus and his disciples have been on a very busy tour around the whole region of Galilee and beyond. Jesus has been teaching and preaching, healing the sick, calming storms on the sea, feeding 5,000 people. He has raised the son of the widow of Nain from the dead and the daughter of Jairus as well. And he has also sent his disciples out on their own missionary journey. In response to the increasing fame of Jesus as well as to his teaching and miracles, the leaders of the Jewish community have begun to organize in their opposition to him. There is danger in the air all around him. Just before the story today, Jesus and his disciples were in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They answer, well, some say you're John the Baptist back from the dead. Others, Elijah or another one of the prophets. Then Jesus asks them the all-important question. What about you? Who do you say that I am? After a period of uncomfortable silence, when all the disciples are no doubt studying their sandals, avoiding looking into the eyes of Jesus, Peter, good old Peter, finally says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus tells them that soon he will be going to Jerusalem where he will suffer and die. And if they want to be his disciples, they will need to take up their own crosses and follow him. That brings us to the story for today, the story of the transfiguration. After all of these things, Luke tells us, Jesus needed to draw apart and pray. He knew what was ahead and he needed some courage and strength for the journey. So he took his inner circle, Peter, James, and John along with him and they went up onto a high mountain where they knew others would not follow so that Jesus could have a time and a space apart to rest and to pray and to prepare for the journey ahead. Though the NRSV says, now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they stayed awake, they saw his glory. A better translation is that they were weighed down with sleep, but when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. What Peter, James, and John saw on that Mount of Transfiguration that day had been true all along, you see but it was only when they were fully awake that they could see it, the radiant glory of Jesus Christ shining all around them. Only when they were fully awake did they see Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets, representing God's salvation history in the life of the people of Israel, talking with Jesus about his impending death. Only when they were fully awake and the veil was lifted could they see Jesus shining, standing there as the culmination of that entire salvation history, the one to whom everything else had been pointing throughout all the centuries of Israel's journey with God toward salvation. Only when they were fully awake could they see Jesus as the Lord of God's kingdom, the kingdom which had been real and active around them all along, just waiting for them to open their eyes and see it. Of course, it's Peter, again, who speaks first and says, 
Master, it is so good to be here. Let's build some tents, one for each of you, and then let's just stay here. We all know that feeling, don't we, of standing in the presence of something so beautiful, so glorious, that fills us with such awe and joy that we just want to bask in the glow of it and hold on to the feeling as long as possible, safe and comfortable in that light. But the truth of who Jesus is means that staying on that mountain, basking in that glow forever is simply not possible. As soon as Peter expresses the desire to build a memorial to the moment and to stay there, a cloud descends and a voice from heaven says, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. Though the words are not recorded, Jesus must have told them that they could not stay there on that mountain. There was so much work still to do. They had to go back down into the valley and follow him on the road to Jerusalem and the cross. As soon as they descend once again into the valley, they encounter someone waiting for healing, and Jesus is once again engaged in his life's work healing, teaching, feeding, forgiving, serving, and loving. And he calls his disciples to follow him. The same is true for us, isn't it? Jesus calls us, just as he did Peter, James, and John, not to linger too long in our own mountaintop experiences, basking in glory at a safe and comfortable distance. If we truly want to follow Jesus, we cannot stay on the mountaintop because Jesus does not stay there. If we want to be where Jesus is, we have to follow him back down into the valley where there is joy and beauty and goodness, yes, but where there is also pain and sorrow and need. If we are going to listen to him, we must not only listen with our ears, but follow with our feet and our hearts and our lives. And we can only follow if we go where Jesus leads us. And it seems that Jesus always leads us back into the valley where pain and need are the greatest. Now, I am sure that many of us here today may feel like Peter, James, and John. We may feel tired and weighed down with exhaustion. It would be so nice to find a mountaintop filled with glory, filled with safety and comfort, where we could just rest a while, see the light of Christ shining all around us and bask in it from a safe distance. But if we are honest, most of us would admit that the, that the past couple of years have been pretty exhausting, physically, mentally, and spiritually. We may not feel ready to come back down into the valley of a world still finding its way through a global pandemic, a world filled with so much division, hostility, and mistrust. We may not be ready to come back down into a valley of a world now gripped with the fear of war from an advancing cruel and authoritarian regime. We may not want to come down into the valley of a world where some of us are waging a battle with cancer or caring for someone who is ill in body, mind, or spirit. 
We may not want to come back into the valley where others of us are waging our own battle or watching a loved one wage a battle with depression or anxiety or addiction, where others of us are walking through the valley of the shadow of death and of grief. Some of our neighbors down in this valley are struggling to put food on their family tables or maintain a roof over their head. Some of us down in this valley are worried about our jobs, our marriages, or our children. Some of us down in this valley are lonely. Some of us down in this valley are in a period of doubt in our faith and we are praying and praying but not hearing the answers we so desperately need or want to hear. This valley feels a bit overwhelming to us if we are honest. We are not sure we have the strength to follow if this is where Jesus is leading us. But my friends, the valley is where Jesus always is. And we would do well to remember that the same Jesus whose glory shone all around us on that mountaintop is the one who is walking with us in the valley. He has not left us and he never will. He is in front of us leading the way and he is beside us giving us strength, comfort, hope and courage for the journey. If we are fully awake, we can still see his glory shining all around us. If we are fully awake, we can still see glimpses of his kingdom alive and real all around us. If we are fully awake, we can even at times see his glory reflected in one another as we seek to live as he calls us to live in this world. Can you see glimpses of his glory down here in this valley? Oh, I can. I see glimpses of his glory in my pastor friend, Reverend Fred Onkai Taylor in Vinitsa, Ukraine, who has been sending messages the past few days, telling of the work he and his, the members of his congregation in the Church of the Risen Christ are doing in the midst of their own fear as war overtakes their beloved country. They are setting up shelters in their church building with cots, blankets, food, water, medicines, and other needs so that the thousands of refugees fleeing Kiev and other areas of Ukraine can help, can find help as they pass through Vinitsa. Instead of fleeing, these members of this church are remaining to try to care for the elderly, the disabled, and the orphans in their community who are unable to flee. They are providing aid to local hospitals and members of the special forces protecting their city. Just this morning, as I was preparing to come into worship, he sent word that his congregation did gather for worship this morning. His congregation members are Ukrainian and Russian and Belarusian. And during worship this morning, they came forward to the worship stage and they washed one another's feet amid tears and prayer as a symbol of forgiveness, reconciliation, and hope. They are sharing the gospel of Christ in word and deed, and the glory of Christ is shining all around them and through them. I see glimpses of Christ's glory in you as well as you bring food for the hungry and provide hospitality and food to the homeless. 
I see the glory of Christ shining when you take a meal or send a card to a member or friend who is undergoing chemotherapy treatments or who has just gotten out of the hospital or who has just lost a loved one. I see the glory of Christ shining when you knit a prayer shawl that you take as a concrete symbol of Christ's love to those who are hurting among us. When you gather in the chapel on Tuesdays to pray for the needs of our members and friends. When you gather to study scripture together or to enjoy the fellowship of your church members or to teach a child or a youth in this congregation about the love of Jesus Christ for them. I see glimpses of Christ's glory when we gather here in worship, when we pray together and sing together, share the bread and the cup at the table of our Lord together, when we splash in the waters of baptism together as we did this morning. I see the glimpses of glory of the glory of Christ in the way we love each other and forgive each other and seek reconciliation with each other. I see it when we laugh and when we cry together. Did you hear that word, together? You see, another reason Peter, James, John, and Jesus could not stay on that mountaintop is because they needed to return to the community of the other disciples and followers of Jesus and go on the journey to Jerusalem as a community together. We are not alone down here in the valley. We have Jesus, yes, and we also have each other, thanks be to God. It is so important, it is essential, I would say, that we walk this journey of faith together as a community of believers, trying to live faithfully as the body of Christ together. And we can only do that when we are together in body. Friends, we have been away from one another during this pandemic in so many ways and for so long. We have watched worship from our computer screens and thank God we were able to do so. Believe me when I say I know the temptation to stay home and watch worship on screen. The few times I have done that over the last two years, I too have felt the pleasure of sitting in fuzzy pajamas, coffee cup in hand, reared back in a recliner with a dog or a cat at my side. I get it. But that is not the fullness of life God longs for us to have as a Christian community. We need to come back together in person if we are physically able. I know you are here today, so you've already done that. If you're watching on screen and you're physically able, come back. We want you to be physically with us in this space. Please invite your friends from the church to come back to church if they are physically able. The Christian faith can only be lived in its fullest sense in embodied community. We need each other. Christ calls us to be his body in the world, to be embodied with one another, and to embody his love and grace and mercy and justice within these walls and beyond them in our community and around the world. This Wednesday, we will celebrate Ash Wednesday together and begin the liturgical season of Lent. I encourage all of us to embrace a Lenten discipline of being here together in body whenever possible. During this season, God is calling us to be fully awake as we walk the road to Jerusalem and the cross together. God calls us to look for the glimpses of the glory of Jesus that are all around us every single day. God calls us to reflect the glory of Christ 
in the way we live individually and as a community every single day as we seek to share his love with each other and with a world desperately in need of his love and redemption. At the end of the journey of Lent, we will once again stand on a high place with Jesus. And once again, we will see his face transfigured, this time by suffering and death, by an indescribable love, willing to sacrifice everything so that we might know salvation and new life. And when we gaze on the transfigured face of Jesus on that cross, we will see him in his greatest glory as he suffers and dies for love of us. Three days later, of course, we will see him shining again in the glory of Easter, and he will call us once again to follow him, to be his body at work in the world. And he will remind us that we are not alone. We have one another, and he is with us always, he will tell us, to the end of the age. Friends, the glimpses of his glory are all around us every day, not only on the mountaintop, but even down here in the valley. During Lent, let us fix our eyes on Jesus as he sets his face to go to Jerusalem. Let us be fully awake so that we can see the glimpses of his glory all around us and sometimes even among us. Let us do all that we can to allow his light to shine through us, to help enlighten even the darkest places of each of our lives and of the world. At the end of this Lenten journey, there is resurrection. And along the way, we will learn the truth once again that there is nothing stronger than the light and love of God in Jesus Christ. Not war, not pandemic, not grief, not sin, not evil, not illness, not even death. Redemption and resurrection are always the end of God's story. And they are always the end of our stories as well through the power of Christ at work in us and in our world. The glory still shines and no darkness, no matter how deep, will ever overcome it, come what may. If we will just wake up and open our eyes, we will see the glory and it will change everything, even you and me, even this weary world, forever. Thanks be to God. Amen.